I have used a lot of commerce platforms in the past. By far, the most robust is Shopify. No matter how complex your business needs and no matter how large your business grows, Shopify can handle it. And they do handle it for brands like Rothy's, Ruggable, Allbirds, Knox, Magnolia, Brooklinen, Glossier, and Cotton, to name a few. You may already use another e-commerce platform and you may be super unhappy with it, but you've already put a lot of work into it and migrating to Shopify could seem impossible. But I'm here to tell you that it is quite easy. When I migrated to Shopify back in 2022, their apps and tools meant I just had to make a few clicks and everything was ported over as if by magic. Shopify also lets you design your storefront however you like, which from personal experience I know isn't the case for many other commerce platforms out there. All these features and all this control can result in more sales more often. So stop leaving sales on the table, switch your business to Shopify today, and discover why millions trust Shopify as their all-in-one commerce platform to build, grow, and run their businesses. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial at shopify.com forward slash practical, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com forward slash practical, shopify.com forward slash practical. Hey there, Prakaptan. Welcome back to Practical Stoicism. And as it happens, I got snuck up on. And when I say that, I mean, we're actually on book five now. And I didn't announce that at the end of our last episode, as far as Marcus's meditations, because I didn't realize it. The translation that we've been reading book one from, which is from Casabon, it actually included the first two meditations of book two at the end of book one. So I thought we had two more left because I wasn't reading ahead, and that wasn't the case. So we are in actuality done with book one, and it's time, now having covered books one through four, to move on to book five. That is exciting. But before we start, huge thank you to those who attended last weekend's workshop on Stoicism and Contemporary Influencers, or as we titled it, Are They Stoic? And we actually have big news on this front, from the workshop front, that is. Kai and I have made a decision concerning accessibility to these workshops. Rather than price them as we have been at $12 or $16 per event, depending on the content, we're going to reduce the price to a donation-only with a $1 minimum. So our next workshop, which is scheduled for mid-June, is on the topic of anger and rage in relationship to Stoicism, and that workshop is going to adopt this new pricing approach. Our hope is that this will keep the content accessible to everyone, because if all you can afford is the minimum $1 donation, so be it. We don't want the price of these workshops to get in the way of you participating in them and joining them. You can go to actualstoicism.com to register for next month's workshop and to learn more. As for these episodes, these Monday and Tuesday episodes, I have received some feedback from a great many of you, and that great many of you miss my commentary. So I've heard that, and I'm going to double down on my efforts, extending the Monday and Tuesday episodes by a little bit to include more useful commentary. I think I was worried that my interpretations were getting in the way of Seneca, for example 
or that they were extending the podcast episodes to too great a length for regular consumption. Because another piece of feedback I've received from all of you is that we put out too much content. It's hard to keep up and that kind of pulls people away, makes them feel like they can't keep up with the content, so why bother? But it seems I was a little bit wrong about that. So we're going to keep the new content schedule where we're doing fewer episodes a week so that people can find it easier to keep up. But I'm going to make Monday and Tuesday episodes a bit longer. And I appreciate you letting me know that the commentary was missed. That actually made me feel kind of good. So thanks. Today's meditation is the first from book five and reads as follows. By the way, we're switching to Farquharson's translation. I'm kind of taking you on a tour of translations throughout all these books. Thus far, we've pulled from Casabon, Long, and Hayes. So this is book five and the fourth translation we've read from. So here's meditation one from book five. At dawn of day, when you dislike being called, have this thought ready. I am called to man's labor. Why then do I make a difficulty if I am going out to do what I was born to do and what I was brought into the world for? Is it for this that I am fashioned? To lie in bedclothes and keep myself warm? But this is more pleasant, you might say. Well, were you born then to please yourself? In fact, for feeling, not for action? Can't you see the plants, the birds, the ants, the spiders, the bees, each doing their own work, helping for their part to adjust the world? And then you refuse to do a man's office and don't make haste to do what is according to your own nature. But a man needs rest as well, you may say. I agree, he does. Yet nature assigns limits to rest, as well as to eating and drinking, and you nevertheless go beyond her limits beyond what is sufficient. In your actions only, this is no longer so. There you keep inside what is in your power. The explanation is that you do not love your own self, else surely you would love both your nature and her purpose. But other men who love their own crafts wear themselves out in labor upon them, unwashed and unfed, while you hold your own nature in less honor than the smith his metalwork the dancer his art, the miser his coin, the lover of vain glory his fame. Yet they, when the passion is on them, refuse either to eat or to sleep or to sleep sooner than refuse to advance the objects they care about, whereas you imagine acts of fellowship to bring a smaller return and to be deserving of less pains. I think this meditation right here is perhaps the best at capturing why it is that Stoicism is experiencing a renaissance in contemporary times. How many people really do begrudge their duty or flat out refuse to believe they even have a duty? How sloth-like have we become? How terrible is it that we've adopted ideas like it's better to be comfortable with our bodies, how they are, than to work to improve them, for example. Or that we need mental health days instead of doing the work necessary to need fewer mental health days. Now, I'm not shaming the idea of self-care or mental health days. I'm just saying, for goodness sake, it's like everyone needs a mental health day every day of the week. We dread Mondays and say things like, thank God it's Friday. Thank God? I mean, how bad are our lives exactly? Worse than Marcus's? Now you might think, of course, Marcus was an emperor. 
but I don't know about that. Marcus spent a long time on the war front, away from his family. He lost a lot of his kids, all but one of his sons, in fact. He died even of a terribly unpleasant disease. You think his life was better because he was an emperor? Well, when's the last time you stood on the battlefield after weeks without a shower or after watching all your friends die? Or after getting news that another of your children had died? Or that your town flooded and that you had to find a way to fix it because that was your role? Or that the plague was getting worse and you had to do something about it because that was your role? I mean, it's kind of a joke, right? Our lives are kind of a joke and we complain more, I think, than any generation before us. Many of us have central air conditioning in our houses, which, by the way, we're lucky to have, even if they're apartments and rentals of various kinds. We have a magic box that keeps our food fresh and frozen even if we want it to be. We have laundry machines, we have soft toilet paper and artisan soaps. I mean, holy hell, what are we complaining about exactly? That we have no purpose? Well, we do, at least according to Stoicism. Maybe our problem is that we've become so absolutely spoiled by our much, much, much higher baseline of living that we feel our lives just can't be to live for the cosmopolis, to fulfill our duties, to work towards virtue. That's all so boring. We want to be famous. We want to be influencers. We want to have a lot of money. We want to be like him or like her. I mean, what are we so damn miserable about when compared to people of the ancient world, we have everything and we act like distraught children. And I think a lot of us sense that deep down and we're tired of it, but we're also kind of trapped in it. And a philosophy like Stoicism offers a different way of approaching life. Returning for a moment to the meditation, is it for this that I am fashioned? To lie in bedclothes and keep myself warm. But this is more pleasant, you might say. Well, were you born then to please yourself? In fact, for feeling, not for action? Can't you see the plants, the birds, the ants, the spiders, the bees, each doing their own work, helping for their part to adjust the world? And then you refuse to do a man's office and don't make haste to do what is according to your own nature. Are we meant to be comfortable? Did human beings evolve along with nature to be hibernating bears all the time? To be soft in the middle? To be lazy? To be entitled? To be whingy? I can't imagine that before agriculture and cities that human beings were just lazing about complaining that there was nothing to do and that they had no direction in life. But the moment we put artifices between ourselves and nature, we became like pointless idiots. It's exhausting. I mean, reality television? What even is that? We find entertainment in sitting around watching rich people be rich? Or watching dramatic fools be dramatic fools? Maybe we're so miserable because we're expecting someone else to give us our purpose. Again from the meditation, the explanation is that you do not love your own self, else surely you would love both your nature and her purpose. We are part of nature, not apart from it. Our cities pull us away from what we are, make it easy to think we're concrete people, so to speak, office dwellers, etc. But we're not. We're bees in a hive, in a forest, on a planet, 
and our duty is to serve our fellow man and woman, our community, our hive, and to play a part out there in the forest, too, and to take care of our planet. The degree to which we've been separated from this understanding is infuriating and sad, and when we talk about it, people think we're hippies or communists or socialists. But what could be more stoic than caring for your community as a collective, caring about your environment as a home? So when you wake up tomorrow, or if you're just waking up now, today, look around. Look how absolutely lucky you are. Consider that. You're drawing breath on what seems to be the only planet in the known universe that supports our sort of life. You have a phone to listen to this podcast on. You probably have headphones. You have the internet. Count on all your fingers and toes everything you have. Then ask yourself why you're complaining. Ask yourself why you're not getting up and doing your human job and taking a sort of pride in it. Then look at everyone around you. How are you working for them? How are you being a more useful member of our collective hive? Not by complaining, not by staying in bed, but perhaps by doing your human job. And of course, I hope that my extra commentary in today's episode isn't too preachy, but you did ask for it, so you share in the blame if you find it to be too preachy. Thanks for listening today. I hope you've enjoyed this first meditation of Book 5. I hope you're still enjoying this podcast. And by the way, if you are, please leave a review. I would appreciate that. And remember to check out actualstoicism.com to register for our upcoming workshop on anger and rage relevant to stoicism. Thanks again for listening and take care. Take care.